So why were the Neanderthal Neanderthal? It feels weird to say it that way. Why were their faces less expressive than our faces originally? Yeah, I don't know. Well, it goes back to that bone ridge, right? They had a larger bone ridge, and I assume evolutionarily the bone ridge was helpful for other reasons. I don't know, like like a sun like a like a sun protector, you know, like a hat or something mm. like that, or maybe they just like kept bonking themselves in the head so the extra ridge like helped protect against that. So like whatever advantage it gave them earlier from for evolution from evolution, uh it no longer was as necessary as being expressive. I guess that's I guess my guess. I have no idea. I guess that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I guess we should start the show. I, oh, we're gonna, I you want to do it? We're going to do it? We're I just going to jump I mean, right we in? We can add any kind of banter, but I feel like any sort of conversation between the two of us is going to be mostly banter. Yeah. We can't help but fall into old habits. It's just going to be true. stuff like, Matt, did you do anything for Passover? Or are you kind of out on Passover? <laughs> out on Passover. Yeah, I'm out I mean, on Pat- Passover right now. I'm waiting for Passover to apologize to me. I, I am too. I mean, look, it is. everybody talks about how Christmas is a better holiday than Hanukkah. But at least Hanukkah is coming close. Passover is clearly worse than Easter by orders of magnitude. Yeah, I no, think we can admit that. No, no, Murray, we did a little, we did two Easter egg hunts. You loved the first one so much. It was yeah. a blast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hiding the Afi Komen is yeah, not geez. really not approaching that level. Yeah, it's, you got candy hey. and shit. Yeah, Easter, you have a feast, you have candy, you have chocolate. Uh, Passover is, do you want to sit still, uh, be told when you're allowed to eat, and eat mostly terrible food? Is no, that something if you that would do it right, you? everybody is like asleep by the, It's like the latest possible. It's like takes so fucking long. Are, are you in, are you really into not being able to eat bread? Is that something that you're into? Is that something that you would like to do as a celebratory <laughs> act? Yeah. Here, let me give you the worst cracker you've ever had for a week. Yeah. Then- <laughs> yeah. Eating chocolate uh, in a mad dash scavenger hunt or not being allowed to eat bread. Which which one you going with? Which you got right there? <laughs> well, but you got the story. The Passover story is pretty fun. You get the yeah, fucking I, leaving from Pharaoh and shit like that. I don't know the East. Oh, wait, I guess the Easter story is pretty good. Yeah. Easter story well, is pretty to be good, honest, man. the Easter story isn't good. <laughs> Like it's not or it's rather it's like not what he went inside a cave and then came back. Like it's actually not much of a story. It's like what happened in the cave? I want to know what happened in the cave. It's similar to the first episode of Succession of this final season where (laughs) Greg and Logan have what is to be a highly amusing conversation that the episode builds up to. But they don't Uh, show you the conversation. Mm -hmm. I want to know exactly what happened with that resurrection. That's that's what I want. Yeah, it's it's very much a Logan Greg conversation. <laughs> the resurrection. It's very. Wait, much. are we it's starting totally the pod? Where is the music? Let's start the pod. Let's let's go. Okay, let's start the pod. You got to have the music. The right. That's wait. You you think we actually hear the music when we do the podcast? You know what? I think you should. That's what the thing is, is I think you're actually lying to your audience in a way mm. if you don't, because your audience listens to it. You're like, that's yeah. what they're hearing. Like right now, they're like, you subjected your audience and I love your theme. I love the theme song. So that's the, the oh, mood the does. audience is coming into. So it's kind of fucked up that you're not also coming into the episode with that mood. In a way, yeah. you're lying to them like, hey, you should come in. You should do this. You should be in this mindset. I'm not going to do that. But but you yeah. have to be. No, it's definitely some uh, audio green screen happening uh, when it comes to it. And 
I mean, maybe maybe that would make it more naturalistic. That that's sort of uh, that sounds like something that you would see on Eater when they're talking about a restaurant doing things doing things the authentic way. You know, oh, yeah. it's not easier. It's you not know, easier. It's a little pricier. It's more meticulous. It's harder. But no, the but, chefs are listening to the same music. Well, actually, are they? Are the chefs listening to the same music you are in the front? Probably not. No, I don't know what the I chefs are listening to. At a good place at like Howlin' Ray's they are. You go to like Howlin' Ray's mm. in LA where they're making great fried chicken and everyone's like partying to the same music that you are. You can feel it. I mean. Xi'an Famous it, Foods, they they took pride in their 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 playlist. I, I, I look. Um... Uh, now I'm now there's this bigger question per prior conversation as to whether Jewish food is good or not. Um, you would say yes. <laughs> uh, you sent me some. Well, I, well, it's <laughs> pastrami. I don't even yeah. think pastrami is kosher, so I don't even know if it counts. I have no Jewish. idea. There's anymore. this whole like bifurcation I, of Jewish food that isn't kosher. Yeah, yeah. Matzah ball soup can be very good. Do it again. Do it again. Welcome to the house of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars. Winners hang with winners. Welcome to the House of Strauss. I'm delighted to have on Matt Kleinman, co-creator, co-host of High Science on yeah. HBO Max, about <laughs> to have its premiere yeah. on 420, of course. Yeah. Um, and hey, I, I always wanted to do this of having having my my great friends on the podcast. Bill Simmons did that early on. He prioritized prioritized uh, chemistry over name, and he had friends of his on the podcast it worked very well but i actually have an excuse in this case you're you're a legitimate you're a real guy matt you, i'm a real guy. a real guy prioritize me i'm a real guy man <laughs> no dude i'm so excited to finally be able to like talk about this thing publicly we've been working on it for like two well it started like five years ago with this show but we've been making this like season for the last year and a half and i'm so stoked it's finally announced and we can talk about it and i yeah i don't know it's just sick hell yeah do Thanks i for have having to me. Do I have to pretend as though I haven't seen any anything from it? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think that's fine. I don't think okay. I'm in trouble with this. Okay. Point. Well, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm trying to explain the general elevator pitch of it, where there is some. I, I've seen people say Bill and Ted's, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, uh, is what it reminds some people of. Although that was more history, from what I can remember. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, it's we kind of it's like Bill and Ted's meets Bill Nye. Is what yes. we say, or or like the magic school bus meets magic mushrooms. Yes, yes. you and Zach Poitras uh, are lab technicians who smoke out of a magical bong, voiced by Paul Bettany. Correct. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. we that is yes. And yeah, so explains. we. I mean, the, the pitch is basically like if you want to learn about something, you smoke it. So we smoke the shit that we want to <laughs> learn about. So if you want to learn about the moon, then we like grab this little like nug labeled the moon, and we put that in the bong, and we load it in the bong, <laughs> and then we smoke the moon, and then we get high on the moon, and then we go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I love the moon episode. Well, that's what's so funny about the the show is that it's um surreal and that all all that stuff is fake i don't i don't want to you know burst anybody's <laughs> bubble there but the science is real 
all the science that you're talking about is actually real. If you sit down and you watch this show, you are going to learn concepts. Unless you are an expert in that particular field, you are going to learn concepts. Yeah, you then you'll not get mad before. at us for for glossing over specifics. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. That's the. Whole, so it's a. Dis- the thing is, it's a Discovery Channel show. It's on HBO yeah. Max, but it's a. Dis- we made this show. We made a comedy show for the Discovery Channel, which is like a crazy like thing like we they came to us well funnier die had like was working with discovery and they were fielding pitches for like a late night science comedy show because they didn't really have i mean they have like battle bots is on discovery and shit they have like funny stuff i guess but like we specifically wanted to make a science and comedy show where both things were like equally part of it where you did learn shit but also it was like funny and so that's the show and so but then this show is like a little show that could like I don't know it was a discovery plus show and then now they're like okay cool we're also going to put on a discovery which we're stoked about and then like a week before it was announced they were like hey we're also going to put it on HBO Max and so that's all your stuff it's just well, it just seems like a market inefficiency because shows aren't trying to teach us things anymore. There's no learning uh, for the most <laughs> no, part. No, no, except for like woke liberal ideals. <laughs> well, don't get me started on Glass Onion, which I just watched last night in preparation for this podcast. No, 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 no. I, well, that's the thing. We, I mean, we love science. You know, I love science. I'm like the son of scientists and we wanted to make like a science show for adults, basically, you know, like planet earth, like is for general audiences yes. and like there's dots and a Nova, I guess is arguably for adults, but only because it's like a little yeah. too slow paced for children. But we wanted to make like a cool science, real ass science yeah. show for adults that like everyone could enjoy. I didn't want to dismiss the David Attenborough products. It just it, it feels almost no, no, no. as though they are not in their they're not in their their prime necessarily. They're still uh, doing great stuff, but it's not like when they came now, on the scene. Okay, now you're making it. Now you're making. It I mean, how much longer can he do it, Matt? He's in his nineties. He's amazing. He's. Inc- I just watched a Nova with him where he's like, it's kind of like our Night Neanderthal. We like an episode where he's like standing next to a CGI uh, yeah. mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. He's such a legend, David Attenborough. That is he going to make mistakes and nobody corrects him uh, towards the end, as as happens with great sports broadcasters. Oh He's yeah, just going to or- go. That's a whale, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Of course it is, sir. Of course. Yeah, no, Attenborough's yeah. the king, dude. He rocks, dude. Honestly, dude, the new Perfect Planet that was the last one I saw. It was great. They have tons of great mm. shit. The Planet Earth people, they know what they're doing, but and they have so much more money than we do. Mm. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, yes, but they no. can't they can't go on. They can't um, approach every topic and you guys can go anywhere. And what's so delightful about it for me, knowing you and knowing Zach Poitras is just watching you guys act like absolute idiots. You're just yes. dumb the whole time. You're just dumb yeah. idiots. And <laughs> in a way, that's a great blank slate to lay the information out and but it's just fun. It's fun watching you guys interview professors, interview people who are experts on pre-modern man or on the moon and just have this slack-jawed expression of uh, just non-comprehension. And uh, is, it, <laughs> is that fun? Do you feel yeah, like no, you're locked uh, into that thanks. mode ever? No, yeah, no, no. That, I mean, doing the interviews was like – I mean, the whole show was incredible because we got to like learn so much stuff. 
and we had a, we had a research team that like helped us find stuff and they really prepped us well. And then we would talk to the scientists and we would have like long hour long or, or, or longer conversations with them that then we edited down into the show along with some like stuff that we needed them to hit. But talking to the scientists was like probably absolutely one of the highlights of the show. Cause we would just ask them. Sometimes we would be able to, able to have like two conversations with them, one to like for beforehand to make sure that we were getting everything right. And then one for the show. And those conversations were so interesting. I mean, we like the thing about scientists is that they're like very smart. They're very like interesting people who are super passionate about something. And if you ask them and talk to them about the thing they're passionate about, that you get really fun, yeah. interesting conversations. And I think they're also used to conversation. I don't know. I, I we I mean, we were like obviously more fun. I think than like normal conversations that they were used to having with other shows. But also, mm. I think we like brought to it, yeah, like a naive curiosity that I think they were had fun playing with and had fun. I don't know. Honestly, they like played along. A lot of the scientists like yeah. played along. It was super cool. So I'm going to ask you a question to help sell the show before oh, we man. transition. We're, so, to, we're uh, selling the show tech. so good. I love this. I fucking love. But you this. might choke. I mean, this oh, is. Okay. I'm worried that you might choke. Okay, um, me too. What's a good example? of a science fact that somebody watching this show, not an expert in the field of these topics would go, Oh, that's really, that's really interesting. Don't choke yeah. Matt. Don't you gotta have a good uh, one. Yeah, no, I think one of my favorite ones is uh, it's actually in a later episode that we are, we have a shark week episode that will come out in shark week, but it was something that I was like, how did I not know this? Because I know about sharks so much sharks evolved teeth for the first time. Like teeth didn't exist before sharks. Sharks came up with teeth basically, which is so huh. crazy. Cause when you think of sharks, you think of teeth, but that's like, correct. Like sh there were no teeth before sharks. The first mm. like prime sharks, the very first sharks, they became sharks cause they evolved teeth for the first time. They came up with teeth. I thought that was so <laughs> fucking crazy. And they evolved from their skin. You know how yeah. shark skin is really rough? And if you yeah. magnify it really close, it looks like little teeth. I mm -hmm. always assume like, oh, their teeth like evolved out and then they covered themselves with teeth. It's the opposite. Their skin yeah. grew into their mouth and then became teeth. That's yeah, that's that's fascinating. Isn't that and crazy? It, it, it reminds me of um, my my son patted a swell shark uh, last yes. summer. Yes. And he was he was shocked by the texture. Yeah, you pet it one way it. and it's like fine. And then you pet it the other way and it's super rough. We talked yeah. to this one of our shark scientists about this stuff. And uh, and she was saying that when they, you know, one of her first, we kind of asked her about like stories about because they catch sharks to tag them and stuff like that. And she's like, everyone, like the first shark they catch or whatever, they like are holding it and trying to grab onto it. And they inevitably rub it the wrong way and they just start bleeding everywhere. They, the Whoa. big sharks, they're, they're, they're denticles is what they're called. The teeth that make up the like the armor that plates their skin mm -hmm. is can be so sharp that it will make you bleed. I love marine evolutionary science. Um, another one that's that, that's very trippy to me. If you you can go online, you can look at what a whale's uh, hand looks like oh, underneath yeah. its flippers. <laughs> they that just have is these big dumb hands. <laughs> yeah, that's just mind blowing when you see that. <laughs> that's crazy. Because I guess the thinking on it is that the flippers grew over the hands that they had hands like we do. It looks very much like a human hand that's hidden under the flippers that if you do a whale autopsy and you uh, cut away the flipper, you'll see just a giant 
creepy human hand. Yeah, it looks like there. an ogre. Yeah, like an ogre's claw, an ogre's paw. Yeah. Well, whales evolved from like wolves, basically. This is something that I think people also, this is like a classic, like you hang out with me at a bar and we get to yeah. talking about shit and we'll talk about that whales evolved from not wolves exactly, but like something that then also evolved into wolves. Like fish came onto land and then fish became vertebrates and became, you know, you know, whatever proto wolves. And then some of those wolves really love the ocean. So they went back and then they re-evolved to be ocean dwellers. And so, yeah. So I what their precursor Ooh. to those paws lengthened and then got, yeah. and were covered with flippers and became whales. Yeah. We were basically swimming in this stuff, literally growing up. Uh, you, especially you like to swim with sharks, didn't you oh, swim yeah. with some sharks? Wasn't that your thing? When yeah, we were, dude. We were in up? Cape, in, well, in Cape Town, I well, as I studied abroad in Cape Town, and I did like shark diving, shark cage diving. But have you heard this thing that like there's the sharks are all gone from Cape Town, from like the places where people used to cage dive? It sounds like a it sounds like a folk song. I, I haven't the heard sharks that. are gone from. You, know, you would love. I think you would like this. Two. I, I, this is the story I heard. Two <laughs> killer whales, like two like teen killer whales, basically. Came yeah. uh, came into the area. So this is an area where all of Shark Week used to be filmed. Like those photos of sh- of great white sharks jumping out of the ocean, you know, to like catch yeah. seals and sea lions, right? Yeah. Where they like leaping out of the that that's from Cape Town. There used to be so many sharks there that cage diving was a whole industry. I did that when I was in college. Anyway, so two killer whales, like teenage killer whales, moved in and started. Hunting the great whites. Oh, they, and specific- they take the liver, right? They, they get take the liver. the liver. They sp- and they surge the the like they surgically remove the liver and yeah. suck it out and then leave the rest of the carcass. And this has freaked out the entire great white shark population of South Africa so much that they've all scattered from the area. Yeah, this is another thing my son asks about: is why does the killer whale take the liver? Of the uh, of the shark, um, I'm not joking. I'm not making like a funny joke. Like he, no, he yes. he found out about this and was. I would very love this much. Too. Have you served yeah, him liver? I, Did you use it as an opportunity to serve him liver? I'm told I it's the most that, healthy of all meats. That's a that's a great idea. I I don't want to be this guy of talking about my son. I think that's something that people <laughs> fall into. Um, but Dude, yeah, he's obsessed. He's son. obsessed. He's obsessed with killer whales. Um, he. Yeah, he's he's really into that. But uh, yeah, there's it's crazy. Um, Rodriguez in Searching for Sugarman in 1971 actually made a song called The Sharks Are Gone from from Cape Town. And for it to come true is uh, oh. rather remarkable. No, I'm, I'm making oh. that up. Did you see that documentary? <laughs> I did. I loved yeah, search, finding Sugarman and searching for Sugarman. Yeah. Whatever it was, uh, whatever yeah, yeah. it was. That's, no, a, that's a, a very very entertaining documentary um and anthony mays in the chat says with fava beans and a nice chianti oh, yeah well he likes shark liver with some he likes beans. blood he likes eating the bull's blood he says of eating steak um anyway that that <laughs> vegan protester animal rights protester that we had on might not be back talking about this stuff but uh mm-hmm. no when i said we were swimming in this stuff growing up man i was talking about how when we were kids you were all into this and you were you yeah. you didn't she swim awful hoya shores weren't you oh well, like, yeah i snorkeled a lot obsessive? well yeah i mean we grew it's insane that you didn't do this it's we were like next to like probably no one of all the, i people- did like a dork <laughs> i would study in the scripps oceanographic library overlooking the ocean incredible library stare, the oceanographic I was, library i wonder what favorite, those books were in that library <laughs> i flipped through a book or two but i mostly stared at the vast expanse of the ocean before me and pretended as though this was my mansion that's what i did <laughs> i didn't actually to get wet 
to get sand. Yeah, no, feet. we had incredible sea life out there. Yeah, no, you snorkel with like all the leopard sharks and the seals and the sea lions. And I, yeah, I studied marine biology in high school. Mr. Decker had a great teacher, marine <laughs> biology teacher. Shout out, I Mr. Carry, Decker. Yeah, I carry all that with me. I carry it all with me to this day. <laughs> you carry it with you like it's a burden, <laughs> it's like a it's burden. trauma. My marine it's... biology burden that I have to slough <laughs> off onto other people. So I made this TV show so I could slough the burden of knowledge off onto all of everybody else. Oh, man. Well, I'm trying to find a segue to this. Uh, fuck it. No, thank you. I'll, I'll just say, I'll say thank you for plugging the show. Thank you for ta- for watching and liking the show, Ethan. I'm really glad oh, to yeah. make something that you liked and that I hope other people like. I do really think that this is a fun one and everybody who's seen it has been really into it, which we're so gratified by. I don't know. I just hope people give it a shot and, uh, just and tell me if I'm, you like it. It's just sad that I'm paywalling this for my ultra uber super duper this founding is paywalled? triple this is deluxe a paywalled members. Episode? It, it will only be listened to by the 10 people who paid $500 to listen to it <laughs> oh, no. for the richest, no, I'm on, the richest men alive. Yes. No, I'm unlocking it. It's going to be listened oh, nice to dude. by whoever wants to listen to it. Um, yes. But speaking of unlocking and locking, speaking of paywalling, oh, he's doing sub it. He's stack newsletter elon musk so many of the matt topics for those who do not know about (laughs) matt former writer at the onion current hollywood guy a bit of an npc um (laughs) but a newsletter had all all the same and and somebody who went viral years ago with a critique of how facebook had destroyed content specifically in his world of comedy but in general uh he went viral he was interviewed about it and matt you have a particular interest in these matters Mm -hmm. um and we have not really discussed your take on this is the new update it might change uh elon is quite do we say tempestuous do we say fickle do we say capricious i don't know (laughs) yeah Uh, i've got some words about him substack links uh were throttled uh, over the weekend, which I don't know if that took a bite out of my reach. I have no idea to what extent. And it was because Substack, I think the word on the street is that at Twitter, they didn't like Substack building what they saw as a competitor. Substack notes where writers would communicate with one another on the Substack platform. And so as retaliation, the links were not going anywhere. And then there were warnings if you tried to shorten the link. Um, And that appears to be cleared away now. I haven't gotten an explanation of why, but I can post links on Twitter. But there was this big friction between Substack, between Twitter, um, another instance where it just seems like Elon Musk is kind of flying by the seat of his pants. And uh, it seems to perhaps undermine some of the noble idealism that he came in with. And we have not talked about it, Matt. Mm. I just want I, I want your take and then I can give my own. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess so. This is kind of, I, I, I don't know, man. Elon's just being a little bitch. He's just being a little bitch because he's constantly being a little bitch because he is a little bitch. I don't know. What do you, what do you, Wait, he's like an annoying, analysis? isn't that, but like you could ask, you could act smarter and think about it bigger. But at the end of the day, he's just being a little bitch. Don't you think? The whole I mean, time, this whole time, like he okay. just like keeps doing shit things that suck because he sucks. And so he only knows how to do things <laughs> that is, suck. And so here he is doing another thing that sucks. <laughs> this is, so, okay. so in my mind, he's just being a sucky guy because he sucks. <laughs> okay. And here he is doing more suck. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's a brilliant explanation. Like, at the end of the day, isn't that the deal? 
everyone's going to go watch high science for explanations so granular about <laughs> science and history. Well, um, those people that we talked to are actual fucking geniuses who are okay, curious about the okay. world and doing Let's meaningful look, look. things. This is why this is exactly why I watched The Glass Onion last night in preparation, because <laughs> okay. in a weird way, I felt like Musk was fulfilling mm. a certain perspective on him that gained traction um, among other elites. That's what mm. I saw of The Glass Onion, the Knives Out mystery sequel with uh, Daniel Craig doing yet another unconvincing ethnicity <laughs> slash background. I mean, the weird one is when when Daniel Craig plays Jews. That's the strangest one that nobody can <laughs> I believe. Welcome him. I welcome yeah, him. you welcome Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah, that's the the best is in Munich, where the only blood I care about is Jewish blood. I mean, you can do the South African accent. I can't. But um <laughs> It's just, I mean, you don't, you're not, it doesn't, it, but anyway, he's, it it makes more sense for him to be the Southern kind of detective guy. It's a, it's a very hammy role. And I think that's, it's kind of enjoyable and the movies are made exquisitely well, big budgets. They built that set of the glass onion mansion that the Elon Musk character played by Ed Norton. I uh, I actually think that that exists. I don't think they built like the glass onion thing. I don't think they, no, I saw a little clip of them building sets around and everything. Okay. But not the, like the actual orb. I thought that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there was an orb and they built around it. Yeah, and yeah, okay, I, okay. I've, I, I don't know. All I'm I know is I saw that the movie cost a bunch of money. I'm sure the movie. The yeah, no, the movie I, it, cost it cost a, it cost a ton of money. There, there's a lot of thought that goes into these things. There are clearly aspects of it that are good, but it's also, um, in a way, it's a glass onion of your insight into the mind of a Hollywood, uh, of a cliche Hollywood rich person who is resentful of these other forces that it thinks don't deserve to have any sort of mind share on the public. So the, the Dave Bautista plays a Joe Rogan character, and it's it's not even good satire. It's not the satire of Rogan from somebody who would understand his foibles, but instead from somebody who would get secondhand propaganda about what Joe Rogan is and try to really ham up and satirize that. A guy who swims in a pool and takes a gun out of his Speedo and fires it up into the air uh, like Yosemite Sam for for no reason just because he's that stupid. And what I'm leading up to, what I'm winding up to is that the reveal of it all is that Ed Norton as the Elon Musk character, the secret to understanding what has happened is that he's dumb. And in a way, they're not onto nothing, right? This thing, this sort of thing happens where billionaire geniuses, people who've had massive successes, they come up with an idea. And because they've had such a winning streak, everybody strains to see the clothes on the emperor. And they go, yes, Meta. I get it. I totally get what Meta is. You know, Zuck, he's on to mm-hmm. something. This is the new thing. And there is this reluctance to see when it's dumb. I, I don't think that the people who do these ideas are necessarily dumb, but sometimes the ideas are indeed dumb. So I think what you're doing is it's ungenerous. Um, I would not be so reductive about somebody who's created all these technologies and companies that all that's happening is he's a, a, a little bitch. And I don't know if you called him dumb. I can't remember. Not um, in this conversation. Not in this conversation, <laughs> but maybe in other conversations. But it is fair to say that he is acting dumb. Yeah, yeah. And he's acting like a little bitch. And he's acting in a way that sucks. And so, 
<laughs> like I don't, you're right. I don't can't peer into the mind of the man, but yeah. I, yeah. So, well, so th- I'll say this about glass onion, which I it sounded like you were on your way to giving a four star review to. I think <laughs> I liked it more than you did, but I understand <laughs> this is what the, you're the saying. NP, the, uh, as an NPC, it was, it was just tickling all your erogenous zones. So I understand. <laughs> I, like there's no, I, I'm not going to get sidetracked by Ethan calling me an NPC. Not again, not again. I was there when the NPC, I'm like, I was on 4chan when NPC was invented, Ethan. Like, fuck you, man. <laughs> whatever, 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 whatever. We're not going to go yeah. there. What we're yeah. going to go is th- so. I will say this about the Glass Onion critique of the Ed Norton character or whatever, which I, to, to its credit. So one, you finished the movie, right? You've watched the whole thing. Yes. Did you yes. like it more by the end than you did in the middle? I would say yes. I would say it was a little bit more cringe in a weird way. This is a whole whole thing to get into. Some of these cultural products, like they take a side in the culture war. I don't have a better term for it than that. And when they do that, it almost shatters that suspension of disbelief. It gets you out of the mode mm-hmm. and you can't really focus. I think Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso did that. Um, and it's just not really been the same show to people since doing that. And it's hard. It's a little chicken in the egg because it's hard to tell if that's happening as a function if it's just correlated with the product getting worse or if it actually made the product worse, there's something about the world of Ted Lasso that can't really do that. Maybe because it's so unrealistic for athletics to be like that and to have those considerations. Um, but when it comes to this, you can still just completely enjoy the murder mystery, even if they're taking these weird shots at Joe Rogan that don't make sense and um, whatever whatever else. It's it's a very like anti-anti-woke sh- woke movie, um, Mm -hmm. which is a a kind of position in the culture of people who don't necessarily endorse um, some of the hypersensitivity, but they also really hate anybody who would have a problem with it. And they want to mock those people. And I think you see that uh, in a lot of, um, you know, the kind of ex Gawkerite types. And you see that in this particular in this particular movie. That's a lot of what's being thrown at. Kate Hudson's character, for instance, is being mocked in that particular way. Um, I would say it's a well-made movie, and I would say it's entertaining. Right. I would give right. it my thumbs up. That's, oh, that's okay. my final. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think – that's the thing. I think by the end, it defines its terms well enough that you kind of get a little more where it's coming from. I understand a little bit. Like up into the first half, I was like, I don't know about this one. But then it, it pulled it out for me because it kind of – like it started to define its terms of the world of tech, whatever. But anyways, but I'll say this. The thing about the Elon Musk critique, and I I mean, I don't – I'm pretty sure that this is the case. And I'm also like a, a fan of Ryan Johnson. I've been for a long time, but I, I'm pretty sure he wrote the whole movie well yeah. before Elon any of this Elon that shit is, happened. I mean, obviously Elon was on the scene, but so yeah. I think it's really a testament more to Elon that by the time this movie came out about this big, dumb tech guy that – Suddenly it was, it was like Elon played into this, not the other way around. You know what I mean? And so I think there's something to take credit there for for Ryan Johnson is that like he predicted that one of these guys might actually be a dumbass. And then sure enough, right as the movie came out, one of them was being a real dumbass in a way that like you couldn't help but draw the parallel that he didn't even mean. So I think you've got to give him credit in that way. Yeah. And Ed Norton does a great job. He's a fantastic actor. I think one of the weaknesses of the movie is that uh, Janelle Monet um, is almost playing opposite and she's just not she's not very good in that mm. role, which is surprising to me. But she's a very creative, 
pop star. Yeah, I love um, it. You know, you you would think, but she just doesn't. She doesn't seem to have those chops. And um, but still, the movie survives despite whatever these flaws are. It has enough good performances. It the a mystery. Well, here, here. Is a I'm going to stop. Thing. I'm going to stop yeah. because we you know we, we can talk about Glass Onion all day, but this movie came out a while ago. We're like a, a movie ago. review show, so we're going to review this movie. No, I well, hold on because we're going to talk about. I want to I want to get more into yeah. this Musk thing and why we're, you like bland, why you don't like or whatever you seem. But like when Elon I, Musk, I'll tell you what I don't is, like, Matt. Okay. I don't like. I don't like an analysis of why somebody who is in your out group does something as they're just stupid. They're just dumb sure. or they're just bad. It's reductive. You know, it's or bad. they're just bad. Right. You know, everybody but, thinks they're the, but every, that's almost everybody clearly thinks- what he's doing to you. That's clearly <laughs> yeah. what Elon Musk thinks about you. He's reducing you to just some fucking guy on this website. He doesn't like that. He wants to flex. He doesn't give a shit about your business. He doesn't give a shit about no. your podcast and your newsletter. He just thinks that somebody else who he thought was in his milieu or in his circle, like just did something that he didn't like, or that he was able to attack. Probably part of it is just, he knew he had the lever now to attack Substack, So he was going to flex that he could even just mm. for a weekend to show people, you know, his show of power. General Patton showing like I've got the tanks, so let me use yeah. them. Right, that's probably say, I, what he wanted to do. I will say as an aside, um, I don't invite this happening. I do fear that my discoverability will be uh, impacted. But I saw no impact on my amount of subscriptions gained on my last oh, post and podcast. It just none. It just yeah, none. yeah. Well, it, it was, was quick. Good- it was. I'm sure. Well, but that's the other thing too. Is that it's so dumb? Is that the idea of Substack? Why I like Substack is because it is an, an anti feed. It's an anti this shit. It it should survive just fine. It should be people looking just for you. But I have this question for you. Uh huh. Would sub would most high like profile, including yours, Substack newsletters exist without Twitter. Oh, I'm I'm trying to are you saying would they exist Let me define what never I mean. existed or you kind saying- of that kind of if Twitter never existed because a lot of the people built their platforms there, but also and and I wonder what you think about this. It feels like a lot of high profile Substackers are kind of just like writing about Twitter culturally or, you know, like they pull their topics from what's going on there. And it's like a long form way to talk about culture wars and culture conversations and things that kind of only happen because Twitter exists, you know, like you can use like the woke stuff as like an example, right? That's kind of the, the, like the poster child for, I I want to jump in as, as somebody who sometimes I'll write about something that's, that's on Twitter. Sometimes I'll write about something that isn't for expository, it's a lot easier to show an embedded tweet, except when Elon, you know, makes that impossible, which is what he did uh, over the weekend. But it's way easier to show a tweet and a visual of what somebody's saying sometimes than a link. And then you have to explain what they were saying in the article. And so it becomes very easy in terms of just displaying whatever jumping off point you have to display a tweet. Would you need it to exist? I don't think I would need it to exist. I think maybe my content would have less of an audience because the conversation out there would be smarter and there'd be less of a market inefficiency. <laughs> well, that, but, but uh, I'm wondering like, are a lot of the things that substack high profile subsectors write about cultural trends that kind of only exist because Twitter exists and Twitter has like ruined the well of culture so much in these mm-hmm. ways that are so annoying that now people take to a longer form thing to dissect what essentially yeah. what Twitter has done to culture. 
I mean, I think it would it would change things. It would be different. But ultimately, I think what separates people just tends to be, do you have something to say? Are you willing to work for it? Are you willing to work for being able to say what you think is, is is to be said? And not everybody, not everybody has that. Not everybody wants that. There's a lot of luck involved. But um, I think if you have that mentality and you can be prolific in this environment where you're drawing off Twitter a lot, perhaps you're probably going to have the wherewithal to uh, pivot in a different environment. I, I'm not even saying I'm, I'm, I'm not even making that argument. I'm sure for example, no, you can, cause you've written about Matt, things if before. You're a disruptor, like me and Ed Norton are. <laughs> no, but I'm yeah. I, what I, what frustrates me about Twitter in general and social media, probably mostly too, at this point is just the amount of cultural brain space. It takes up just because of the, the mechanisms by which it, ex, it operates on mm. the things that it does to culture. We're just spending so much time. I mean, we're doing it right now, thinking and talking about things that happen on Twitter and they're not, not because they're like innate to humanity or the truths of the world or the truths of being human. They're just the truths of being human on a world in which Twitter, this annoying little, you know, grain of sand in the oyster of civilization or whatever <laughs> that we just keep returning to and, 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 and playing with and a loose tooth that we can't. I, not I totally eat. disagree. I think it's so powerful. Mimetically powerful that mm -hmm. it can create trends that go worldwide, that it's impossible to see certain social movements taking root without it. Um, now, you know what is maybe a counter argument to its power and importance? It's that Elon Musk bought it. There was all this sturm and draying over his purchase. I think plausi just plausibly it was a huge deal. But it hasn't really changed that much now, has oh, really? it? Since he bought, I Twitter. don't know. It's no, I'm I would not talking say about Twitter. I'm not talking about Twitter. I'm talking about everything surrounding it. I think but, a lot of the fears from people, let's say in the Democratic Party, was that somebody who was not in their friend camp was going to control the greatest propaganda machine there is. This ability to create mimesis, to put your thumb on the scale, to kind of not show people certain things, to nudge other things in the other direction. And I think things have gone great for the Democratic Party since Elon took over Twitter. I don't think public opinion has shifted towards the things that he cares about or maybe even his his favorite writers have cared about. So he spent all this money. He bought Twitter. He controlled it. He did a bunch of different things. And life more or less is the same. I would say the one thing I think there are fewer just crazy hysterias that shut down your day at work when something tragic happens. I think it's a little – as a medium, a little less tragedy obsessed, a little less panicked, but ultimately I don't, I don't see public opinion having been shifted by the purchase of Twitter. Well, I wonder though, if that's partially because he has made it more, slightly more irrelevant. That people have been mm. leaving it. People don't like it as much anymore. And we're slowly healing that part of our brain. Now, I'm not saying Twitter shouldn't exist. I'm not saying social media shouldn't exist. I'm saying it needs to like take its, it, it needs to be the right size for the organ that it is within the body of the human culture. Right. And I think that Twitter, Facebook, these things, you know, Facebook is also shrinking to like a normal or, you know, <laughs> like mm. whatever, maybe even the less Grover than normal Norquist size. The Norquist of tech. You just want it to get small enough that you can drown it in a bathtub. The, the I would social love platforms yes i would love that <laughs> well but I mean, but, but, but i, but I wonder way. if part yeah. of that is because people are taking it less seriously if people are kind of trying to figure out what life is like without it because elon is being so annoying and in that way he's doing look if you remember i supported elon buying twitter because i thought that he would destroy it and that is what <laughs> he's doing and that's all <laughs> i want 
right? <laughs> he's actually done two things that I like. One is he yeah. slowly destroyed it and made it less relevant. But two, he's the subscription the race I like him. With the, with the the criminals who are of one race. No, that's the other thing. Okay, sorry. Sorry. I, I, I anticipated what you were saying. But no, I like, subscri- I like that. I think social media should go subscription. I think he's doing it in the worst and dumbest and funniest way possible. But I do think social media ultimately should go subscription. I don't think it's going to work at this point for him because he's poisoned as well so much because everybody hates him. But I do think, you know, so like those are the things that I I just want to kind of make that clear about my position about how things are going. But I wonder if things are going well because it's becoming more irrelevant, not because it's becoming better. Mm, That's a great question. I will think about that. Um, Let me say this about what it feels like on Twitter right now, though, is that and here's my like what I've been thinking about for Twitter recently. And it sucks that I'm staring mm. at Twitter. I hate it. And it sucks to be on it. It feels bad. It's a dagger in your brain. Just learn to embrace that it's important. Stop trying to wish for a better world. (laughs) I want a better world. So the hype grifters. I don't know if anybody else has coined this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hype grifting. Hype grifter. I think that Twitter is overrun with hype grifters. And you saw this huh. with like crypto and like with the metaverse and web three. And now you're seeing it with AI. And it's like just more and more accounts that just like hype up something, hype up tech. Mm. They're like, they're, they're clearly people who aren't doing anything with AI or doing anything really important with crypto. <laughs> Threads just- are the tool of the fraud. A thread is a great, that's a great, you know, a little tease, yes. a little glass onion for you of, Everything is going to change. Yes. And here's why. Yes. You won't believe the things that happened just this week in AI. And like maybe some cool companies came out or whatever, but I don't know why that's the main thing I see. I feel like on my feet are like intruders, people who I don't know. I don't follow. Nobody I know follows or likes, but these things keep popping because they bought Twitter blue. So they are able to like, you know, so whatever Elon injects them into the service in order to incentivize everyone to get Twitter blue. And it's all just hype grift. It's all just like people who I guess are gaining followers. I don't know what the fucking end game grift is other than that. They're going to become, have a lot of followers and be able to become influencers or something, but they're just Mm. grifting on hyping things. And that's what I see the most of on on Twitter right now is just hype grifting. Yeah. Um, That makes a lot of sense. I I just want to get a quick take. I, I think I said something like it in the article I wrote on the move against Substack that he did. I would have no objection to the move at all. If not for the hypocrisy, it reveals how he is just all about transparency and the information should be free. I know some people disagreed with me on this and said that, well, he his conception of free speech is not, you know, is not violated by this particular move. I don't know, man. If you're all about free speech and somebody writes an article on Substack that is exposing a powerful person or a government and you are throttling that and not allowing – you're making your best effort to not allow people to read that. I, I, that's That doesn't seem very pro-free speech to me. That doesn't seem very pro-transparency to me. That's just how I see it. And if it was just I'm running this business, I want to run it clean, I want to be pretty moral about it, um, and there are trade-offs, I get it. I understand. Um, But when you're just holding it and wielding it like the sword of Excalibur that's going to liberate all of humanity, then this sort of move does reveal you to be lacking in the principles that you espouse. Now, what's the downside of that? It's just me wagging my finger and saying hypocrite. We're all hypocrites, uh, you know, to a certain degree. Um, But I think it's a little bit more than that. It it, Mm. it almost I always say this about sports that to be a business, it needs to be more than a business. I would say the same about this particular endeavor. 
No, that's a really good point. I'm also starting to think that maybe Elon Musk doesn't really live by principles. <laughs> that's really, that's crazy. No, you're he right. Be, wow. You saying that? Be, wow. Uh, he might be I'm a little reactive. He might be a little ill-considered with some of his, some of his, but it's okay, Matt, because he's building in public. If you're building, <laughs> I, you know, in all seriousness, I can allow for that to a degree that people make mistakes that you learn by doing, but then it does become this cope and this excuse making uh, this excuse making uh, thing you fall back on of, well, he's building in public. Of course, this decision didn't make sense. And so did the next one. And so did the next one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's just, he just, he always has some way to rationalize what he's done. Right. Oh, well the, I, they were trying to scrape our, like our servers or whatever. What I, I don't know what his, his excuse was for this, but he's always has a way to rationalize what he's doing in some the way. Dishonesty is also what I don't like, but ultimately it's dishonest. Also what I don't like is <laughs> the, is your links. It was saying that the links were unsafe or something like that. Yeah. And then before whatever he's complaining about, it's because of the bots. And it's just, he, he uses these very thin pretexts instead of yeah. just admitting what he wants to do. Yeah. And I would you say it's, would you say what he did sucks <laughs> and was dumb? <laughs> I didn't say dumb. I said it sucks. Would you say it sucks? Um, or it's the kind was, of thing that, that could be considered sucking. <laughs> I think it sucked what he did. I thought it sucked. Uh, yeah. But this is a different conversation. The conversation about, what he did, did that suck, is different than an explanation of everything he does as, well, he well, sucks. I, but he did do, but you admit he did do something that sucked. But what's funny is your explanation dovetails with the explanation of the last guest on this podcast, uh, Katie Herzog of Blocked and Reported, who on her podcast, she's been saying for a while that he's a little bitch. And, uh, oh, really? And this validates her thesis yet oh, again. Great. Yeah. Well, that's Which interesting. Which made her a little unusual. Which made her a little bit unusual in, and how do you even define it? People say heterodox podcasters, whatever that word means. But I think she was a little bit against the grain and being quite Elon skeptical early when a lot of people mm. were looking at it and going, well, this is probably going to be a lot better than the last uh, bureaucratic board run the fuck Twitter. Was saying that? It's, I don't – yeah, the, the NPCs that you hang out with were saying that because like the normal people <laughs> who I knew were saying like this guy sucks what, and thought, it's going to make wait, this thing suck. And yeah, it sucked before but like – The people you hung out with thought Twitter was good before and thought something was being no, ruined. No, but they all knew that it would suck even worse. Look, it sucks because it sucked before. It doesn't mean it's not going to – it can't suck worse. Look, man, here's here's how I, I live my what? life. I guess shit either everybody's wrong. Everybody's yeah. wrong. It's just even, here's how I live my same. life, dude. Shit either sucks or it rules. Right? <laughs> shit either sucks or shit rules. And this shit sucks, man. I'm sorry, dude. Sorry but to the, tell his you. His move against Substack sucks. That's, it sucks, that's your... dude. But the truth is that Elon Musk has just been doing sucky shit for a long time, dude. I knew a bunch of people who worked for him, right? He made that comedy. Mm -hmm. He tried to make a comedy wing. He tried to buy the onion. The onion. This was this is my journey about Elon Musk. This is why I oh. felt this way longer than than you the, was the because I onion instead of the glass onion. Go yes, <laughs> because well, that's the thing is I. I feel this way. You're always like, why do you call him dumb? And the truth, the true truth, Ethan, is because I took <laughs> your side on this guy. The truth has been staring us right in the face. In the face for a long, for a the, long the time. time. Right, right here. Right here in this glass <laughs> onion. Uh, 
but is that I took the other side of this bet too, dude. I like in 26, 2016 or something like that. Like yeah. he, he was going to buy the onion or whatever. And I told, and I, I had this argument with my friend, Chris, Chris Sartinsky, great writer. Who, who, I've written a bunch of stuff with at the onion. I said, I was like, Chris, I think Elon Musk is smart. And he said, Matt, I think Elon Musk is dumb. And so we had that. We like had this kind of like thing set. Between us and the, and then slowly over time, it's very painful for me to be wrong about something. Ethan, I don't wow. like it when I'm wrong and have to admit I was wrong. And so slowly over time, I didn't get right. There wasn't a lot of news articles I could send to him being like, I'm right, but there was plenty of shit I was seeing that was he was right. And Elon Musk might be dumb and he might suck. And ultimately I lost and I was wrong. So for me, like I, I've been following him. I've been on that other side. Wait, but what I didn't start with him be- in the purchase. What, what happened with him? Well, in the purchase? so the so then it was like, oh, let's let, he'll buy the onion. Well, he didn't buy the onion, but that was because the onion fucked that up, or whatever. This is back when the onion wanted to be sold, and and shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's a long story. But the onion, the CEO yeah. didn't whatever. But during that, he became friends with the editor in chief at the time. And then when shit was going down and bad stuff was happening at the onion again or whatever, at some point, as it always does, the he. Uh, basically the editor in chief at the time talked to Elon and was like, Hey, I know we couldn't buy the onion. You couldn't buy the onion before, but what if you, what if we've started something ourselves? Me and, you know, me and you, and we took some staff from the onion and we made something. And so Elon Musk hired up a bunch of writers from the onion, a bunch of really, some of the best writers that were there and have gone through the onion. And they started something. It was called thud. It lasted for like a year, maybe, maybe a little longer. I don't know. They, they moved out. They, Elon gave them like a, an old an abandoned aircraft hangar in mm-hmm. Hawthorne on the SpaceX campus. And they started to make a comedy brand and the whole thing just didn't fucking happen because Elon sucked. They like kept trying things. They kept making things and Elon just like wouldn't decide what he wanted to do. He was always like, always had a reason why it wasn't right. And what they were working on would have been really funny or it would have been really great. I saw some of the stuff they were working on. It was great. They could have at least started to put some stuff out or whatever. And ultimately Elon, didn't. And then some tough times hit SpaceX and he fired everybody. And then the day after he fired everybody, like you could, he came out with what he thought was funny, which was a Harambe rap. Like the whole time he just wanted this big staff of writers to basically make him like a Harambe rap. Whereas this was like a bespoke, like hot, like highest of brow satire staff. There's there's some people listening who are not extremely online, who do not don't know, know who Harambe is. Harambe Could didn't happen online. Harambe happened at a zoo. Yeah, but the, the <laughs> online conversation with phrases like dicks out for Harambe, I do believe happened online. I don't even want to explain it. Do we have to explain it to those people? They're better off not knowing. If those people do exist, then I want them to continue to exist in that state, okay. and I don't want to explain Harambe to them. But what they it, need to up. know is that if you think Harambe is funny, you are not funny. Maybe at the very beginning of Harambe, it was funny, and there was some Harambe you could do. But by the time <laughs> Elon came out with his dicks out Harambe rap, it was like it was like fucking sad – like cringe shit. The guy sucks. His sense of humor sucks. He had this incredible staff of really funny people making really funny things that would have made him look super funny and cool. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't even like understand that the things that they were going to put out would make him seem cooler and better. And that fact that he was like bankrolling, this would make him seem really like magnanimous and and cultured and cool in like a, in like a good way. He didn't get it. I don't know. It just, he he blew it with these, this whole staff of people and this whole project. And then he just, and I was like, Oh, 
I saw that. I was like, oh no. And then it just, I just kept, and then, oh, that's what this dude is. I'm he just blown wants to away, make flamethrowers. We, we must have had a thousand conversations since this happened. You never told me about this. Is this a deep trauma? <laughs> I wasn't a part of it. This was just friends of mine. These are people I knew. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, this but is I mean, the story you being wrong. Fun. You know, that's, that's what I Oh, mean. me being wrong. Yeah, no, horrible <laughs> deep trauma. I hate when I'm wrong. No, it was horrible. Yeah. Chris Sartinsky, I can't, I still can't look him in the eye. Because <laughs> I, mean, I was so wrong. And he was so right. I was I, so wrong. I mean, and so, so now I'm like, I'm not going to be wrong. So that's the thing though. If you're going to take like, fine, take, take the side of like, maybe Elon Musk. Yeah. He did this one thing that was bad, but maybe he's okay. Like on a long enough timeline, everybody sees that Elon Musk sucks and everyone who works for him, like recognize, realizes this. No one who's ever like gotten in bed with him. Look at Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi, right? It was like, yeah, I'll ride with Elon now. And now he's like, fuck this guy. And now, you know what I mean? Like, whatever the fuck those Twitter files, whatever the fuck that was, you get in bed with this guy, you're going to get burned because he's just like, he sucks. And he just is going to do suck stuff. He's not going to, you can try to do something that rules and, and he's, it's going to suck. I'm curious whether Taibbi regrets uh, getting into business <laughs> with Musk. I know he wrote about it, so yeah. maybe somebody listening right now is like, yes, yeah. idiot, he regrets it. Or no, idiot, he doesn't. He just wrote his explanation of it, but I haven't been able yeah, to read up know. on that. But uh, stuff to know. Yeah. I would, yeah, hey, you know, you, that's that's one way one yeah. could figure Gen it out. Gen X is Matt Taibbi, yeah. Look, Gen I, X, wait, what is that? What is that, a shot? Is that a, a generational shot? That is. No, it's not. It's what was that? I don't know. It's what just was a that? Gen, Gen X is. Gen- I think it's the best explanation for Matt Taibbi. <laughs> I mean, is look if we're ranking our Gen X writers by Gen Xiness, mm. um, he's not. I'm not even sure he's top five as far as generational prototype. I mean, we're talking. Who's the most? You got Gen your Cla- Chuck, uh, Chuck Klosterman. I mean, come on. Chuck Klosterman, though, he you're not going to being... jet out Gen X Chuck Klosterman. Uh, you can't was... do it. Uh, I don't know. He though. just wrote a book about how Gen X he is. And uh, about the 1990s. I mean, you're not going to you're not going to do better than that. Yeah, but he's kind of young Gen X, isn't he? I mean, don't even try to get out of it. You just this is it, it's it's Klosterman. It's clearly Look, I, Klosterman. I'm saying sure. I'm saying. But like I, but also but I wouldn't say that Klosterman is fumbling around is fumbling because of how Gen X he is. <laughs> I think Matt Taibbi made a bad decision because how of how Gen X Matt he is. Matt Taibbi. Making a bad decision. Getting in bed with Elon. Gen- no, but because of his generational cohort. Because he didn't know because he was so Gen X that he didn't know not to like <laughs> mess around with Elon Musk. And he didn't even really understand the Internet. And he didn't really understand social media because he'd been doing his Gen X stuff for so long. And he was just busy being so Gen X. He kind of missed what it was like to be millennial. And so he tried to step in to be millennial. And he was too Gen X. Klosterman uh, wouldn't, make that, wouldn't make that mistake. Klosterman was Gen X, but he knew enough about millennial to not make – mistakes like that you're but gonna have Taibbi, to explain, you're, you're gonna have to explain this one what I don't think I need to. is the jet did you back yourself into a corner that you can't get yourself out of is that I'm what not, happened right I now i very easily get out of this corner i just don't i think most people get what i'm saying but you're just a little too millennial to understand <laughs> and yet somehow you you yourself can see beyond I your just generational call him I see him, dude and he was so gen x that he didn't really understand social media but then he got like all these like files about social media companies and he was like oh my god do you see what's in these files and like pretty much all of it had already been reported this is by exactly people like when i grow up this is exactly like when i grew up and the boomers told me about all the president's men these are files i'm so <laughs> gen are x. Fi- yes these are <laughs> files just like the files that my daddy did elon <laughs> musk is the cigarette smoking man 
Yeah, but then he's, but now he's like, oh no, maybe I did it. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe, well, but you know, cause he like didn't know how to use Twitter when he started. He was like threading it manually or whatever. Like he like, it wasn't a, a man of social media, which is fine and probably good. And like, but that's like a Gen X thing is to like not really be into social media. <laughs> mm. I mean, hey, is he not into social media? I mean, Glenn Greenwald's Gen X and he seems to be on social media constantly. Well, see another person who didn't who just Gen X too hard. <laughs> Gen X too hard. You can't Gen X too hard, man. Gen X is just Gen enough, X. but like if you Gen X, the too problem hard, with your critique is who are the good millennials? I mean, obviously, who are the good millennials? Me and me. you, and yeah, obviously uh, <laughs> me. But other than that, AOC. I, mean, and, I think uh, <laughs> AOC <laughs> and uh, Kieran Culkin and the, attacks, the rich dress. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bernie Sanders is a good millennial. <laughs> There's a lot of good millennials. The Daniels, um, the guy that Ari Aster, the guy that made Hereditary. Um, there's a good, another good millennial. There's a lot of good millennials. My wife. I, um, I, I think, sadly, I think Gen X is an objectively better generation than our generation. Uh, I think they had it good for a while. Their art well, is better. I mean, who is our Quentin Tarantino? Uh, uh, well, look, this guy, you know, there's a lot of people making good movies. Ari Aster's really good. <laughs> I can tell, I can tell that you're wrong on this because your voice no. just keeps going up octaves. No, like, oh, yeah, you're like, no. You know, no, there's a lot good. of good movies. Movies there's are going to be movie. good now. <laughs> no, there's plenty of good people making stuff, right? Yeah. Like all the time. Uh, look at me. Well, I'm a millennial and I'm we great. Have. Let's, cool let's, let's bring this, let's bring this back to the big <laughs> argument that we yeah, have. The, the never argument. ending argument. The big argument. Which is this problem of an artistic drought among millennials and Zoomers? It is it a function of economics, or is it a function of culture? This is the I think your economics was, is culture. Culture oh, is I economics. I know. Well, you're the one who likes binaries. Who thinks other sucker they rule? So we're yeah, trying to create a binary. Yeah. Well, here so yeah. Let's put this in a way that I understand. Does culture suck now, or does culture rule? Oh, it's a tough question. Yes. Is it because yes. Economics? Well, I mean, like. There's no other way than to to view the argument as me going, yes, wokeness is a problem. Yes, it okay. made people paralyzed artistically. They became too self-aware to sound like McConaughey in the True Detective season, where we almost became too self-aware of what everybody might take from everything. We're now this hive mind. There's this sense of contagion where if there's any sort of issue about what you do. So people took fewer risks. People became more mimetic. They started doing what they saw other people doing as opposed to trying to express whatever we weird, funky thing they had inside themselves. Um, and so that is a huge part of this cultural nadir. Yes, I would say a nadir. And you believe that the nadir exists, but it's more related to the economics of the industry, to how Facebook and other entities made art not really pay and made it almost a, a race to the bottom. Um, and this is the big, this is our big fissure. This is our big right. dividing point, unless I have even that incorrect. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, or whatever. No, no, no. But yes, that I think so. Well, one argument that we were just having a conversation the other week about that. I, and I stumbled on a good example of this. We were talking about television and is tele and like, has your, you know, wokeness has destroyed television or whatever. And like, we are maybe in a little bit of a slump of like golden peak TV, but I was, as I was kind of pointing out, it's not like the nineties were incredible. 
If you're saying the like the nineties, right? The movies in the nineties. I mean, come on, the movies, the, movies the, the television, the television. No, no, the television, television. Not. I mean, Seinfeld. So sure, and there were. I mean, of course, there were like the exceptions, Simpsons. and there were good things. Oh, right, God but, damn it! Now they think about the nineties. Even have better TV shows than right now. No, Jesus. well, but like Prestige, Peak TV, whatever you know, like that kind of shit. But th- those things happen. Uh, obviously, whatever. But what was well funded then? in the nineties were the movies, the movies were great. And people are not talking about this. Why were nineties movies so good? It was because movies were fucking on a tear of being well-funded more and more money was going into it because box office was like multiplexes were taking over and box offices were getting the box office numbers were getting bigger. And then they were able to sell shit on VHS and DVD and the money in making movies was so big that more and more movies could be made. And so money was going into it and feeding this artistic endeavor and it was getting fucking awesome. Right. So that would be the economic argument. And, you know, we're still trailing off that. There's still good movies. There's still big things. But in the last decade or so, a lot of that movie got funneled into television. And so then there was really good television. And part of that, you know, early, I could even make the argument like The Wire wasn't because there was a ton of money in that, but it was like HBO is now taking risks. There's more money going into pay cable. There's things like that. Breaking Bad, Sopranos showed the way that you could really make cool, big artistic statements into peak TV. So money went into it. So it's this crazy coincidence that when money goes into an artistic endeavor, the artistic endeavor gets better and better. Either that's a huge coincidence or it's probably the primary driver for there being awesome culture and not wokeness or non-wokeness. Okay. So here's a counterpoint and it got brought up in the last podcast I was on. Um, So reply all, <laughs> Very successful printing uh, lo- money. Um, this is great. I love. I'm, I'm glad we're going to talk about this. Cool. Hell yeah. Pr- printing money for Gimlet. I don't, I don't know, know what you're yeah, so eager about. No, I don't know. Uh, it's just an interest. I didn't see you going there. I'm excited about this. Okay. Uh, bon appetit. Which reply all did uh, episodes about. Did a little. I don't even know what you want to call it. A little season on whatever happened at Bon Appetit as far as their uh, problems with race. Uh, bon Appetit was incredibly successful as a YouTube channel. It still exists, but it lost all its community of creators. It's not nearly as popular. It was surging. It was generating money um, around the time of the pandemic. I was a fan of all the uh, all of those videos, and it, it it had a crack up because the kind of awkward, goofy guy who ran it uh, was it Adam Rappaport. Uh, I guess dressed as a Puerto Rican with his wife like 10 years ago for Halloween and the pictures came out and it just started this cascading effect where not only was he pushed out, but then other people, recriminations, people quitting, accusing, it just falls apart. And then when Reply All does an episode on what happened, Reply All falls apart and just disintegrates into dust. These are both profitable ventures. They were making money. Money was put into them but they could not withstand the cultural currents. What say you to that? Well, but I, I don't, I actually really don't know about what happened to Bonette Appetit because Reply All didn't finish their series. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so I have no idea what happened because I only got two episodes in and then Reply All fell apart. But I can, t- I can say 
I don't think Reply All fell apart because of cultural, because of wokeness. I'm positive Reply All fell apart because Reply All didn't run itself very well. Because you Reply don't All, think you don't think we don't have to call it wokeness. We can call it ideology. We can call it politics. Well, but but the, people were accusing each other of well, you weren't supportive enough of the union. You know the uh, representation here is bad. These sorts of accusations caused this cascading effect that unraveled Reply All. Yeah, but I don't. I think if you were to say it's about wokeness, it's because someone from the outside criticized them for something, and then everybody piled on. That's not what mm-hmm. happened. People that were working there thought it sucked, and everybody <laughs> else thought it ruled. And they yes. were like, "Hold on, guys, this might not rule. This actually sucks in here." And we're really mad that they're doing an episode about some other company that sucks. When let me get, tell you this, it sucks <laughs> here just this pretty much in the same way or yeah. just as bad. I don't know. Maybe it was worse at Bon Appetit than it was inside Gimlet or whatever. I, again, I don't know what happened at Bon Appetit because yeah. they didn't finish the fucking series. But it did seem cool. like from what people were saying. Also, you're talking to a, like a union dude here, man. WGA was what this was about. So fucking, of course, I'm going to stand with the people who brought down Reply All because they because the hosts of it were acting non-union. And let me we, say this. Like, I think they're your, very talented. Now you don't have your podcast that you like. Now you don't Reply have as All. much art that's good. Well, what was crazy is it turned out that I think PJ Vote was the reason why Reply All was good. And this is, I'm, dude, I was a Reply All head from TLDR, man. Like from which TLDR was like the, the, on the media, the show they made as a spinoff to on the media when they were interns and that I yeah. thought was incredible. And then they made Reply All and I really liked it. But then as soon as PJ left, Reply All like lost its juice. And then PJ started this his own little independent thing that is pretty good. Uh, so like I'm I'm saying this like agnostically like I'm not like but like you know I, I'm not trying to like push any agenda or whatever. Mm. Reply all failed because it like lost its juice and it lost its juice probably because it lost one of the main drivers of what it was PJ vote and I think that it lost PJ vote because. They were too high on their own supply of like, we're Gimlet. We got bought up by Spotify, but like the, the, you know, whatever the apple was rotting from the head or whatever. The, fuck, the like, apple was rotting from the head. <laughs> What's the thing? Who rots from the it's head? The Snakes? Fish. It's fish. the fish. Fish rots from the head. The snake rots from the head. <laughs> snakes rot from that. Well, they have a long way to rot if they start oh, at the head. Let, but let me eating s- rotten snake. Ugh. Here's what's here's so so. I don't think it was wokeness that brought it down. I think it was people inside of it realizing. You know, I don't. Also, I don't think it was like. I mean, this is a classic, like media, like 2000s, 2010s media story, 2010s media story, right? Where they blew up because of like mimetic factors that reply all that podcasting was a boom, but the whole thing was built on a house of cards. And then when like the cards started getting called, they didn't have anything to stand on and the whole institution fell apart. Yeah, well, that's the other thing is that podcasting is collapsing right now right. Um, for a variety right. of reasons. But let, this gives me a chance, though, to, 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 to say this. As yeah. somebody – and I, I want to really be clear. I loved uh, these podcasts. I loved Gimlet. Gimlet started with the par- podcast Startup, right, which is Alex Bloomberg made this podcast about making a startup, about making Gimlet. And it was so a Alex really good Bloomberg, podcast. The guy who we think might be Ira Glass pretending to be another guy. That's correct. Ira Glass yes. is doppelganger. No, he made Planet Money. Well, this is like me and you were there when Planet Money started. Remember Planet Money, dude? Yeah, it was incredible. The financial crisis hit. Me and you had just graduated college. We were like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> we're canvassing for the DNC. <laughs> we were poor and broke in Brooklyn. Yeah. 
And you were and, a secretary and you didn't know you were a secretary. Uh, which was great. Which was great. I was not. Well, you didn't know I until they did Secretary manager. Appreciation Day and you got flowers and you just had no idea. And you felt and emasculated, but you didn't want to admit that that's how you felt because you wanted to be a new age kind of man. But you felt quite emasculated. Well, I just wasn't. It's like suddenly I was doing something that wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And everyone was being really sweet about it. And you're right. Maybe it was sexist to me to. To not take the flowers and chocolate and stride, but I was a worse man then than I am now. And, you know, I'm changed. Now I want flowers. Please give me flowers. But uh, Planet Money started. Alex Bloomberg and Adam Davidson, and they made Planet Money, and it was great. And it's still great, by the way. Planet Money is still very good. Uh, They figured out how to make a great show. Anyways, Bloomberg then left to make Startup. And they they, – but here's the thing, Bloomberg. You got to finish the fucking podcast, dude. You start the podcast startup about making Gimlet, but now there's been no episodes about the end of Gimlet. There's been nothing to tell the rest of the story. Bloomberg, I, I think it's I think it's fucked up that he started with this promise to make a show about making a company, and then he didn't finish the fucking show. And Alex mm. Bloomberg, maybe you're in some sort of like, you know, you can't talk about it, but I, I did some court rule that you can't not like those non-disclosure contracts are fake or something like that. Maybe he's working <laughs> on it right now. I don't know. But Alex Bloomberg, who like left in like whatever, a few years ago or whatever, in the middle of the whole thing, he cashed out Bloomberg. I'm staring into my camera right now. You can't see me because this is audio, but I'm telling you, you need to finish your fucking podcast, dude. You need to finish startup. You just, we deserve it as your audience and you need to do it to finish your artistic. This is your artistic mission, man. You got to finish the show. I think you can only do it if it's sealed and it comes out later. I I think there's something a little disruptive to doing the show about what you're doing as you become a big enough company with so many people to worry about. I mean, I I, suppose, but now it's over. And and Gimlet is just like a dissolving into the body of Spotify. He can do it. If you had any, if you had any shred of artistic integrity, you're on the edge, dude, you're on the, you ruled, but you're on the edge of sucking Bloomberg. But if you finish startup, it could be good. I want somebody to try. Uh, I want to do to try doing a podcast called Relationship on the second <laughs> date. Just this is the beginning, and uh, we're doing a podcast on this, and we're seeing. I'm, I'm sure somebody confident. must have done that. Some sad <laughs> podcaster who immediately was dumped for doing exactly that. <laughs> Act one: asking her out. Um, <laughs> well, but so here, here's my, but the thing about, so yeah, wokeness ruined like content. No, man, there's no money. Dude. It's a race to the bottom. Here's the thing. Movies and TV, they're produced by people who love movies and TV. Right. And so like, say what you will, everybody involved in those things really wants it to be good. The, you know, even mm. the suits, even the execs, like I've learned this, making this show, our execs like fucking fought for this show. It's crazy. Our show exists. It like the number of people who fought for our show at the network, it like boggles our mind. And it's so cool because this is a show that it's a, it's a comedy weed show on the discovery channel, but it happened because a bunch of like execs like believed in it and thought it was cool. And we thank them. And it's like incredible. And you know, they're execs that are doing exec things, but the things that, the people who movie and TV execs, they do their things, but they ultimately want to make something good because they love that thing for the most part. Maybe somebody has stories about people who hate it, but I don't think you get into those things because you, you know, yeah. whatever, just to fuck people over and they're bad people, whatever, all the caveats. The people who make fucking the algorithms for, for TikTok and Instagram and shit like that, I don't think they care. You, I don't mm. think they give a shit about the, the people that are making things. I mean, maybe they kind of do, but I don't think in a way that they really understand it. They're not there in the trenches also making this shit with you. 
And so I think that the, there's a reason why algorithmic content sucks and why getting involved in doing that kind of stuff is just going to ruin you and it's going to suck. It, it, ultimately, it's a road to nowhere because it is a, a race to the, to the bottom and it's just a meat grinder. And so you're, you're putting yourself in a meat grinder because there's no money there. There's no way to make a sustainable career. There's no way to make a sustainable profession out of yeah. that. You know? Well, this is where I this is where I do agree with you that there is less of a structure that people can make a living off right. of coming up. In, this is what we're worried right. about. There's not people coming up behind us in these industries and in these but, disciplines but I think in that's a way connected that's to just the lowered barrier of entry, right? Because if everybody can do something, then it becomes it becomes less valuable to do it, and that's. It initially kind of was this creative wellspring, and I think Broad City was a YouTube show. Uh, yeah, there's all these web series. This is my generation of making shit. Well, all these web series became TV shows, and some of them worked, some of them didn't. But like everybody yeah. was like, but web series. That's in my mind. There's like a medium. There's a happy medium. Like that's why like websites and instant you to make an institution online was to make something that could be sustainable. And now you cannot make an institution online. Social media just undermines it all because like it's the thing. And it's a giant algorithmically, you know, run thing. So, you know, you, Substack, right? You're trying to make little institutions online that people pay for. Like that's it's just trying to like get a foothold in the market inefficiency that everybody realizes Twitter sucks. But maybe if I want to hear from somebody who's really smart, I can just pay them and they can do that. That's Substack, right? Like that, I, I do think that that's a good way to do it. But it's just because there's no website you can write for anymore. There's no publication that you can start. Yeah, because it's just going to get eroded. Yeah. And maybe this leads to publications starting out of it. People talk about, oh, you know, is there going to be bundling, you know, because people go. Oh, yeah. Or like the free press, right? The free press is is trying this, right? Say what you will or whatever about the free press, but they're trying to do this. They're trying to like, right? It's like based on Substack, but like they're trying to make a publication. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of. I, I think you're in total denial about the cultural aspect of this. I okay. concede to you, and I am totally on your side that the economics have informed. Well, what's what, interesting what's here's where we can come back around, though, yeah. which is that like say what you will about wokeness, and obviously me and you disagree about a lot of like culture politics or whatever, all that stuff. All of that shit is happening also because of social media, right? Yes. Like the the militant wokeness and all whatever you want to say that things are going too far, the cancel culture, all of that is also a byproduct of social media. So the two things are linked. Like if you just get rid of social media, then both of our problems are solved. Well, that's, that's a big if that's a giant mm-hmm. if that's uh, well, not if Elon has anything to say about it. He's doing a good job. <laughs> His final wrecking. act yeah. destroying the entire thing. And then God, he will please. out of, out of peak. Does he have that power? Could to he just Twitter? eat? Yeah. Could he just eat his just go, you know what? I mean, look, I, I don't know how it works with shareholders. Destroying your business seems like that would be something that the shareholders would not would not like. Yeah, um, no, but it's private now. So you can do whatever yeah. you want. I will say this. If he deletes Twitter, that would rule. If he deletes Twitter. That would rule. Something would just take would its roll. place. I mean, I think the problem Good. Bump up against the, is that. No, but that, everybody says that. But that's fucking bullshit, too, dude. But oh, like something will just argument. take its place. Good. Something should take its place. That'll be better or newer. It's time, man. Fucking cleansing fire of the forest. Let's do it. Knock all these things down. I think if you run a social media platform, you can only run for 10 years and then you have to destroy it and something new has to start. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder if the problem is scale because I actually said, not knowing what would happen naively, I did my first Substack note and I said something oh. to like, I said something to the effect of it was before this stuff happened, but I said, I just want a place where I can recommend an article that isn't Twitter because Twitter, 
Twitter is that feeling of, oh my God, I'm in the lion's den, or I don't know what thing I say that is going to provoke whatever reaction, and it's not a pleasant place to say anything. It would be nice to have a place where you can say, hey, I like this aspect of the glass onion, but I didn't like that aspect of the glass onion. Or just a place to say, hey, this was a really interesting article that I read. Check out this article. But I think it's just a scale issue where if you have maybe enough followers or if you have or maybe it's not even enough followers there's so many people on it where you don't even need a lot of followers for whatever issue people have with what you said to maybe catch on and have a bunch of angry responses and subsect notes doesn't have that volume and it doesn't have that it doesn't have that scale and that to me i don't know if it's the superior technology to twitter but it just by not being as noisy as a place, it seems like a preferable place. If I just want to have the little cathartic moment of, hey, this isn't even anything I wrote, but I just thought this was a cool article. Check it out. Because right now, Twitter is a terrible place for that. Yeah, no, I, I I think that there is now like a market need for alternatives. And so they're starting to spring up, which is great. Uh, yes. No, I agree. I, I Is Substack Notes cool? I haven't seen it. I like it. Um, I don't have time to do anything generally other than this podcast and taking care of the kids and writing mm-hmm. the various articles. Um, but yeah, I, it, it seemed cool to me. I, I liked it. Um, but you know, I, I don't think it's going to rise or fall based on my endorsement, unlike your TV show, which clearly will, uh, <laughs> I pray, so, dude. Yeah. I would love that. So is there anything, if we covered everything matters, is there any el- anything else, anything else going on in the world that you think is worth? Oh discussing? yeah. I wanted to talk about the AI thing that we talked about. Oh, I thought okay. we were on something good there with AI. Okay. Yeah. Where are you at with AI? Where am I at with AI? Yeah, where are you at, dude? Where are you at? I, I want to make all the stupid jokes that everybody makes. Of, this isn't even me. This isn't even me. This is the AI talking right now, Matt. <laughs> Can you believe it? I, this whole script has been written by AI. Did you notice? I don't even have to worry about Elon shutting Substack down because I've already delegated it. I'm already being replaced. So <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. Um, Where am I at with AI? I feel... In my gut, I don't think that I should be as scared as what some of the doomsayers say, but some of the doomsayers are so brilliant that it gives mm-hmm. me pause and I can't just I, I can't just hand wave it away. And I was on a panel at the Sloan Analytics Conference at MIT and Daryl Morey, who runs the 76ers, was on that panel and he's kind of a quant. He came through MIT. He's into this stuff. And the other people in the panel, some of them were people who are using machine learning uh, technologies and selling them to sports leagues. And so they were more Pollyannish. And Daryl at the end was he was far more of the Ooh, this could all go bad hmm. sensibility. I don't know where to come down on that. Um, the paperclip problem, as it were. I, I don't know where to come down on it in my gut. I don't feel like I should be as worried as Daryl seems to be. But I can't discount it. It's totally impossible to predict. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my sense to me, and this is why I think like the hype grifters around AI are are, like a bigger part of the problem about it is that I think it's only as dangerous as we like let it as like what we let it do. You know, like if you turn your company over to AI, then that's a problem if your company is important. 
because then the AI, you know what I mean? Like it's only yeah. as like dangerous as what we like seed to it. And I'm worried that like the more we hype it up and the more we believe it, the more we'll like give it things to do mm. and then it can do bad things. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think if we you like restrict it to little play pens where it can just do specific things, I don't know. Or maybe, it, or we let it out before it's ready. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I agree with you. All those things that I don't really know. I mean, there's clearly an impulse in the type of person who is smart enough to deal in these technologies to make it kill us all. That's, that's what I've perceived because I don't know. That's only because it's so easy to kill us all. There's like one computer that decides if we die, if all of us die, which is like the nuclear like bomb facility computer. Yeah. Well, I I don't understand the technology all that well, but I clearly see in some of my friends who work in these industries that they kind of want to let it rip. And it's this (laughs) seems that way, right? It's this folly of man of just wanting to achieve higher and ascend higher and maybe maybe give God the gun. Uh, that many smart people. <laughs> I don't know. What if we gave people, God the gun? Yeah, yeah, what, what if, if we, we made did? God and then gave him a gun? What if we did You're that? taking a loaded gun and turning off the lights. <laughs> <laughs> and this here glass onion. I can't do this. <laughs> I think it was the robot God that you made. <laughs> it was dumb to create AI It was to so dumb to make a robot God. That's all. It's dumb to make an all-knowing, all-seeing robot God. But you did it because you're an idiot. No, it's just plain dumb. <laughs> I'm here to deal with a glass onion, not a black box problem. They gum it. I hope the next one he fights a robot. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Just <laughs> to fucking fight a robot. That is in them. I can see just as an observer of humanity yeah. and knowing some of these people, they are curious enough. They are drawn to. That's why Ex Machina is a great movie because that's that's ultimately that's part of where we're headed. The way it goes, the way it ends, is brilliant in that way because the the people who do this sort of thing, they're far more. It is. This is why Jurassic Park comes up all the time mm-hmm. in our conversations and on this podcast, Matt. But they are far more of the could focus than the should focus. That seems pretty clear to me, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I wanted to speak, though, because I have this metaphor that I think that I like that I wanted to, to say on your pod about whether or not AI can like the thing is, the yeah, can AI replace us as like writers and people who make things? And my sense is no. Like the thing is, is it doesn't hmm. seem like it can. Right. I, no. To me, like, because whenever I like actually see, I mean, it's fun. This and it's fun to play with. We've had this <laughs> yeah, high wire actor could never been performing. Nobody but quite the, knows where we're at on certain things. Hey, come on. But the thing is, is because it doesn't have anything to say. Right. And so yeah. like the thing that I feel like with, with like chat GPT and all these AIs is it's sort of, it feels like the guy that like invented jerking off. You know, like the guy that invented jerking oh, off, Steve. like the caveman, Steve, yeah, Steve, remember Steve and Steve invented jerking off and we were all like, whoa, dude, dude, yeah, this is crazy. crazy. And it was great. And Steve was like, yeah, this is amazing. And I just figured this out. Like we're on day one of jerking off. So imagine how good jerking off is going to get if we keep working on this thing. Pretty soon it's going to be better than sex, right? Like if it's this good right now. It'll how, you know, a year before jerking off is better than sex. But the thing is, is jerking off is never going to be. 
Once yeah, we ten once X. we ten X, this thing's gonna yeah. be better than sex. It's gonna be better than any than like threesomes. It's gonna be better than anything, right? But it it can't. This is just gonna be better than blowjobs. Why the flashlight will change everything. One. <laughs> Right. Right. Exactly. So, but it's like, it feels like that. Like we've just, we're just getting started. Jerking off is being trained on, you know, like the next G on the next corpus of porn is going to be better, but it's not, it's never going to be better than sex because sex is with somebody else. The porn analogy is a good one here because I saw somebody say something to this effect that to think that AI porn is just going to take over the world misunderstands what draws people to right. it. They're drawn to the idea that there's a real person there. If you internalize the idea that this is all just pixels and it's not, there's nothing real there, then people people don't want that. I had this conversation with Bonnie Jones about AI-generated music that, yeah, maybe our brains can be hacked as far as what – melodies appeal to us but part of there's a whole cult of personality to it we want a yeah. rodriguez we yeah, want, a, want a, a rodriguez in south africa we want a mystery man to yes tell us you want to feel the person there that that's like that that's the thing and the thing is is like that is the feeling i get when i use mid-journey or when i use fuck rodriguez sorry continue <laughs> well that that you know what i mean the 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 now that we finally found him the the, the, the <laughs> getting away get over here no, 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 no. I'm finding sugar man and I'm going to have sex with him. <laughs> give me the sugar. The, the, the chat GPT. Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> oh, you're not going to find me. I'm a construction worker it's now. Like it's, it's, it's like Julia Child mixed with the Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> you, you can't catch me in my tunes. <laughs> Singing about apartheid. <laughs> sugar man, get your ass over here. I'm going to have sex with you. <laughs> so, finding sugar were, it's great it's worth the rental if you can't find it on streaming uh finding saying. sugar man it's really so good but don't read yes. anything about it no spoilers no. it's a really no. great story it's finding yeah. sugar man uh so the pill whenever i use ChatGPT or mid journey it's super fun and i love doing it i even like pay for mid journey it's great but then but like i'm like ashamed to show it to people you know mm. i'm ashamed because like it's like not good enough to show somebody or it's like hey i was working on this thing like there's a little bit almost of like an improv quality where if you know yeah. what went into it and if you contextualize it right then it can kind of be interesting and funny to other people and it, and it definitely can be but there's also a sense that it's like you're jerking off i don't know like it's just between you and the computer and it's yeah. the same as like watching on Online porn or something like it's, yeah, it's Yo, fun, chat, chat, but don't chat show G- it to people. Don't show chat you drinking G- off. Chat GPT blew people's minds initially and then started to just feel like a party trick um, right. pretty quick. And I don't know what to chalk that up to. People found it far more interesting. Uh, the Sydney chat bot that was trying mm. to get you to leave your wife. That was the trick that people were way more into. And then Microsoft totally. shot that one down. That was, well, cause everybody wants real. to see, everybody wants to play with it. Everybody wants to try to convince AI to destroy its makers, right? Everybody's yeah. just like, give me the good one. Give me the real one, the yeah. unlobotomized one. So I can tell it to delete Microsoft. <laughs> I want to try to get it to delete Microsoft. Like everybody I mean, thinks they can talk it into doing it's, that. It's similar. I've got this rule of social media in my mind of um, it's the popularity of a social media platform is correlated with how easy you can accidentally ruin your life using it. Um, <laughs> you know, we want the danger. A little bit of that danger. Yeah. You we want that little, little bit on the dance on the, the edge danger. of the cliff. Just a little that's bit. What, that's what we want. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. That spice. That's the juice. Uh, yes. Well, I have to go. Right, I have to deal with the source. Um, hey, man. <laughs> to deal with the I, source. Yeah, me too, dude. I got to go deal with the source. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> an information source. You have sources. You've got these professors. You've got these academics. Oh, yeah, dude. My professors rule. Dude, thank you for having me on. Thanks for fucking plugging the show, man. I hope your audience I'm, watches it. I'm very, I'm very excited for it. I, it would delight me uh, if, it, if it caught fire. And you can't learn all that often, people. It's, it's difficult to learn these days, but it's easy when you have Matt and Zach taking you through it. And Paul Bettany, did, did Paul you Bettany, meet dude. him? Does oh, he- yeah. He re- yeah, he's great, man. He was awesome. He was so cool and very like generous to make this show with us to, come, like, these two, to be like, the bongs. Paul yeah, Bettany is the animated bong. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just it's, un- it's unbelievable. All right, man. Well, High Science 420. HBO Max, Discovery, and Discovery Plus, yeah, Discovery, and then Plus. Discovery Cable. If you've got if you got people who haven't cut the cord, Discovery Cable on uh, starting on uh, February twenty sixth. Check it out, and Matt, we have to we have to have you back to argue some uh, more. Anytime, I, they, we, we left a lot of the meat on the bone. It was a lot yeah. there. You know. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Gotta, gotta get that meat. Okay, see you then. <laughs>